Hey guys, thanks for joining me for this 38th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests in this episode include actor William Sadler. We'll be talking about the new movie Alice Fades Away, which is available now. We'll also talk with country singer and songwriter Andrew Bame has a new single You Should See the Other Guy, plus new album that is upcoming. We'll also talk with author Elke Schultz about her book Anxiety Warrior. And we'll visit with Texas country artist Landon Heights' debut single, Lead Me On, available right now. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, comment, leave some feedback, and of course, share with your friends. Well, after the Meghan Markle and Prince Harry interview, footage of Duchess of York Sarah Ferguson has resurfaced in which she told Oprah Winfrey that royal life is, quote, not a fairy tale. Now, Sarah Ferguson was married to Prince Andrew, but they later separated and finally divorced. So her actually life wasn't a fairy tale, but she definitely heard him read plenty of fairy tales to his new girlfriends. Now, the interview took place back in 1996, which is about 10 years before most of Prince Andrew's current girlfriends were born. Well, our first guest is actor William Sadler. Got a brand new movie we'll be talking about that's available now, Alice Fades Away. Like I mentioned to him before we came on the air, been a fan of his work. Uh, I guess Bill and Ted's was probably whenever I was introduced to him. William Sadler on the line with us. And William, first off, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, William, obviously something new to talk about. Got a uh, stunning thriller. It's labeled Alice Fades Away. And tell us a little bit about your involvement in this and, and how excited you are about having some new work, especially in light of all that we've, <laughs> all that we've gone through in the last 12 months. I, you know, I think it's amazing that anything has gotten done in the last year. This has been, a, this has been just a horrendous year for, for the country and for my industry as well. Um, but Alice Fades Away is a, is a terrific thriller. Um, folks who like, um, oh, I don't know. It's like, the, it's, it, ha it takes place in like the Great Gatsby period in America. So the costumes are fantastic. Just after World War I. And America is kind of, is still pretty old. Um, and it involves kidnapping. It involves murder. It's uh, uh it's just a great, it's a terrific little thriller. And I, I play a character who's wealthy, powerful man who's, who's finally run into something that he can't buy and he can't fix. Um, he's trying to get his grandson back and, and it's tearing him apart. So it was, uh, it was great fun to, to do. I was, I, I was very pleased the way it came out. For you, William, the challenge of taking on a new body, uh, do you, is that what keeps you inspired as you continue on? I think so. I'm always, I'm, I'm drawn to characters. I like, I mean, I guess I, I've been called a character actor. I think, <laughs> I think all, all my favorite actors are character actors. I mean, Meryl Streep creates characters and Dustin Hoffman creates characters. And I'm just blown away. I love, that's it's half the fun of doing this. Um, so yeah, every every time you pick up a new script, there's a there's a new set of challenges, and it's, you know it's a, you get to use different you know different colors in the crayon box. So 
And, and of course, <laughs> William, folks know you from, from some very big films as well. But for you, is the role that you play, are there any of those that stick out that maybe wouldn't be the ones that people would uh, necessarily pick for you? Well, I'm, I'm not. When I did Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey back in '91, um, I had I had played so many villains one after when I, I got to Hollywood, and they just decided I was this, you know, this this, <laughs> this cold-blooded murderous guy who, in Die Hard Two, um, who you know kill everybody in the room and then sit there and eat a sandwich. Um, and and when Bill and Ted came along, I got a chance to be funny. And I've always had I've always had a fun sense of humor. I was I did stand up comedy back in in high school, and I finally got a ch- and and my theater career is full of you know Neil Simon plays and, and and Bill and Ted came along and I had a chance to be funny in a film, um, and I sort of jumped on it with both feet. <laughs> and, yeah. and, it, and it worked out well. That's the that's the one I guess I had to convince a lot of people that it would be you know that I would make a good death. Do you find the stage, like you talked about being uh, so much on the stage, do you find it more of a challenge character-wise in the stage productions or going to a set each day? Is one more difficult than the other for you? The Well, they're, they're very different. The, the, doing stage work is is more difficult. It's more strenuous because you, um, you know, you have to physically show up at the theater an hour early and warm yourself up. You're going to do two hours or whatever the play lasts with the, no one can yell cut. Um, you're not going to, you, you have to cook it up eight times a week. Um, you know, the audience that sees it Wednesday morning at the matinee wants to see the same play that they, that, that they, the critics saw opening night six months ago. So it can, it's a, it's a different, um, it is more strenuous. It's, it's exhausting, but at the same time, it's that, it's, it's that excitement of, you know, when it, when it works, when the audience comes along with you and you all have that experience at once live, uh, in the room, it is, it's, it's enormously powerful. It's great fun. And William, we've talked about the extent of your career going back uh, 80s, 90s as well. What would you, if you had the chance to go back and tell tell younger William, uh, what advice would you give to the younger yourself? If I could go back, this is like what uh, um, this is like what Morgan Freeman says at the, <laughs> at, the at his parole hearing. If I could talk to that young man, I would tell him. If I could talk to young Bill Sadler, I would. Uh, I'd, I'd tell him to relax. Don't, 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 don't fuss and fret and keep firing your agents and yelling at casting people. And it's going to work out. You'll be fine. You know, the more fun, because the more fun you have doing it, the more fun people have watching it. Um, it just works that way. No one wants to see. No one wants to watch you suffer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess that's what I would say. You know, just just chill, relax, be patient, have fun, enjoy play the with, ride. Play that's your, play. Enjoy the yeah, exactly. Enjoy the ride because it's a 
it's quite a ride. <laughs> That's you know? right. Don't 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 miss it. Mm. No. The new movie Alice Fades Away uh, available on video on demand platforms. And William, I always want to make sure and let folks know where to keep up with not only the film but everything else you've got going social media wise as well. Um, I've got a. I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, you can you can Google William Sadler, and uh, I'm on Twitter at wm underscore Sadler. Um, I'm not on Instagram anymore, but but you can find me in those. Also, I started a YouTube channel where I sing, I play songs, and I uh, tell stories about the movies. Looking back over this long checkered career. Um, and that's called, and that's called William Sadler, the kitchen tapes. If you want to check that out. All right. Well, William, I will uh, be checking that out here in just a little bit. <laughs> well, William, it's, it's been <laughs> right. great to visit with you today. I, I truly, like I mentioned before, been a fan of your work for many years, wish you uh, continued success and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again real soon. Well, thank you very much. You stay safe out there. Well, it is March, and apparently everyone's fairly indifferent about it. A new survey asked people to name their favorite and least favorite month, and March didn't get a ton of votes either way. 4% of people said it's their favorite, 6% said it's their least favorite. Now, the big winner is October. 15% of people say it's their favorite month, and only 3% say it's their least favorite, which is the best ratio of good to bad of any month in the study. On the other end of things, only 3% of people say January is their favorite month versus 26% who say it's their least favorite, which is the worst ratio. Now the full rankings based on the difference between people who say it's their favorite month versus people who say it's their least favorite, number one, October, followed by May, June, July, September, April, December, November, March, August, February, and January. Our next guest on the podcast, country singer and songwriter, hails from the beautiful country of North Carolina, Andrew Beam on the line with us. And first off, Andrew, great to meet you this morning. Absolutely same. Uh, looking forward to talking to you today, and um, thank you for having me on here. And uh, actually, it's hard to get used to afternoon, but uh, for a morning radio guy, anyway, it is slightly afternoon, but Andrew got the single, You Should See the Other Guy, and that just seems like the end of a story, is what uh, what that sounds like, and I'm sure that's got a little story behind it as well for you. For sure. Uh, so we wrote that song in 2018. My producer called me, and I, was, I remember I was sitting at my desk, actually, at the time, and um, he said, I got this idea for a song. Are you familiar with Glenn Campbell's Gentle on My Mind? And I said, well, obviously I know who Glenn Campbell is, but let me check it out. So I want to write this song 10 years later, 15 years later for that character in that song. It's basically kind of going from town to town. He's got a, got a sleeping bag stashed behind every girl's couch and everything's cool. And it's, it's listen to the song. It's actually a very carefree song. And he said, man, I don't, you know, this guy's a jerk. I don't like that. So <laughs> um, he said, let's, let's start it out. You know, so the, the listener really doesn't know just from looking at the title, listening to the first verse, like, has this guy been in a fight or what's the deal? Um, but it's really about, you know, basically you should see the other guy that I wasn't. Um, and so you're, you're looking at, at this, the other guy who was perfect and uh, gave this particular female that, that you, uh, you messed up your chance with uh, the best life she could have possibly had. 
Now for you, bringing music out, especially a debut in the midst of pandemic, COVID, whatever you want to call it, what kind of challenge has that thrown in uh, the works that you kind of expected to begin with? I guess I would expect nothing less. I think uh, <laughs> from the start of me doing music in, in May of 2018, uh, if it could go wrong, it'll go wrong. But somehow that's that's led us on the right path. Um, so in some ways, I, I, it just kind of seems right. Uh, now, granted, we were supposed to have had this whole entire album out last year. Um, but we ended up writing another song. I think there's just one that we, one or two that we put on there, ended up adding to it during the shutdown that we wrote. Um, so everything happens for a reason, for sure. So from the start, I was going to go by Bean, uh, not Andrew Bean, just Bean. That's what everybody calls me. There is a rapper named Bean, and uh, which that doesn't matter, but the distribution messed up and put my songs under his profile, which matters tremendously because all 150,000 monthly listeners clicked on my song and put me in an underground rap algorithm. Oh. So for an entire year, now keep in mind, I, I started doing this full time in May of 2018. So for an entire year, nobody could find our music. And so then my Instagram is still being country and people in Charleston, I'm based out of Charleston, South Carolina, uh, people in Charleston started calling me being country. And uh, it's it kind of stuck. And for me, it was a way to get out of the um the rap algorithm hopefully uh so we went by that and as, as it got bigger the obvious thing is well what is being country if you, if you saw it you got it if you never seen me or didn't know me or what it's like is this guy seriously going by that like what, what, what's the deal with this um and sponsors included so i had people advertising me as andrew beam and i'm like man you can't find the music on this it's just it's craziness so uh we ended up just going the path of least resistance and we switched distribution and changed the stage name to just me. So it's Andrew Bean. Um, and that happened the week before COVID hit. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's nice. Now, so, uh, did, did anyway, you- we, we, we were headlining a bunch of stuff and everything, just like everybody else this past summer. Um, so for uh, honestly, to answer the, that, that question about, you know, dropping the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> it just kind of fits our story. I think so, but I'm ready. I can, I can kind of feel the tides turning. I had a great weekend on the road this past weekend and, Ready to get after it. Now, did you ever think of taking the algorithm and maybe working a little more uh, bro country in, if you will? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I was a game warden before I did DJ, um, and I, I've told that story a lot. But I, I remember, um, I don't know, I guess just traditional is, is, is the route I like to take. But it's just, it's the only thing I know. I mean, I um, always listen to that. And um, for me, that's just, Everywhere I played, everybody likes that sound, which is great because that's really where it lives in here in me. Um, but uh, I remember a buddy of mine was, we were watching the ACMs when I was actually an old roommate of mine. And uh, he said, Man, he, he paused the TV and said, You need to quit your job and go do this. <laughs> He's like, There's a lot of people that he said, This isn't country. <laughs> um, so, and I, I'm not the kind of, I mean, I wish everybody all the success in the world. And there's a lot of successful people out there that are they're singing bro country, but um, to each their own. But uh, I'm going to do me and uh, country ain't dead. In, in my opinion, that's uh, kind of our slogan we came up with. And that's the first song on the upcoming album. Now, Andrew, the uh, voice, it, folks haven't heard the music. I mean, just from the talk of voice, you can hear the baritone bass uh, hints there. Now, who was the country music artist that maybe inspired you? I listened to a, a little bit of everything. So um, when it comes to country music, obviously, I mean, I remember when I was probably four years old, Riding, I mean, 
riding my bike up and down the mountains, listening to Little Bitty by Alan Jackson, um, or I Like It, I Love It by Tim McGraw. And it's actually funny because that song was just on my Spotify when I pulled in the parking lot here. Um, so I would say anybody from the 90s really has inspired that. Um, I didn't really sing until I really was, I mean, senior year of high school, getting into college. Um, I would say Eric Church probably had a, a big influence on that. But I'm from uh, about the same area as Eric Church. So it's kind of one of those things that, um, you know, I don't want to come across as being uh, an Eric Church clone by any means. Um, but it's just kind of, I mean, listening to, to that music and we kind of sound alike. So I would say it's a big influence. This basketball season, obviously being from North Carolina, are you are you Duke or uh, or Blue Devil, which uh, or Tar Heel, I should say? So both my parents went to Chapel Hill. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my my blood is still Carolina blue, even though I went to Clemson. My dad was not happy that, that I should go to uh, Clemson, but at the time it just kind of seemed like it was the right place to be, and I don't regret that. But I'm definitely when it comes to basketball, uh, Chapel Hill. But I hadn't hadn't followed him this year. It has been a year that it, it's okay if you didn't follow him. Mean, probably one of the roughest that Carolina and Duke either have ever had. But uh, right. for, for you, as you go forward in 2021, got the album, all the other stuff coming up. How has goal setting changed for you going into the new year? It's honestly about the same. Um, we, were, we were that close to kind of breaking on the scene. Um, but I would say that at this point, the goal, the only change has been now I'm just ready to play anywhere. Um, <laughs> you know, last year was, all right, let's get on this festival or let's, let's, we're trying to get to Texas and we're still going to go to Texas. Um, I would say that's a real big goal. And, uh, we're just waiting right now for everything to open up between here and there. Um, and so, uh, honestly, just any place I can play to a full capacity crowd and, and spread the, the name yeah. is the goal. Now, how has the songwriting changed for you? Has the process changed maybe uh, through Zoom and all that? Have you learned maybe some, some new avenues? Not really, man. Um, I'm, I'm old school in a lot of respects. Uh, I would say that my songwriting has changed over the last couple of years working with my producer, Joe Taylor. Um, I, I, before that, I strictly wrote on my own. And I still do that, but I think there's a lot to be said, especially writing with a producer because you get it from paper to studio almost immediately um, as opposed to I'll write a song and play it for it, the crowd somewhere or my buddies and I'm man, things awesome. You bring in the studio and it's like, well, you know, let, let's <laughs> tweak this here for, for this purpose um, for the everyday listener. Um, so I think that's probably one of the things that's changed the most. I would say in the last year and a half, two years is really writing with Joe a lot more. Um, and uh, there's a handful of songs on the album that uh, he and I have collaborated on. Um, there's two that I, that he wrote that I did not write. And then there's a couple, probably two or three that I wrote. Um, so, but I really have not done a whole lot over zoom. I played two zoom shows during this or Facebook live shows during this. And, uh, it was pretty apparent if I could see somebody like you right now, <laughs> it's all it'd be good. fine. But when you're only looking at yourself singing, it's terrible. So it was apparent to me that after about the first, I don't know, 30 seconds of the first song, I was ready to to never do that again. <laughs> so I, I like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I do it, man. I, I like entertaining. Whenever you're dealing with a producer like that, and, and as a solo songwriter as well, how hard is it to get yourself out of the way and really take advice without getting offended, if you will? For me, not, not that hard at all. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about understanding professionals and why they are just that. Um, and, learning from that. I think a lot of people get just like you're saying, wrapped around the axle on, Oh, I got the song. I'm not listening to anybody, but 
Um, I was chance to say about 95% of the time, my producer's right on, on that stuff. Um, and, and proofs in the pudding on that one. I mean, you play, I play a song a certain way and everybody loves it, but then I'm like, all right. And we kind of use live shows when, and they're starting to come back, but before the, the pandemic, uh, we use live shows to really see what hits people and how. Um, but every time we would change a song a certain way, it was just night and day difference. It's like, this song was good before, but now I've got like on the, uh, we got a song on the album that's called Farm All 53 coming out and that's April 16th. That'll drop. But uh, when I played it, after we changed it, there was a guy holding up a picture of a formal tractor on his phone. <laughs> I was just like, well, here we go. So it doesn't take too long. I mean, I obviously hesitant the first single we cut um, a couple of years ago. I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this. But then when you A-B it, when, when the project's done and then you listen to where it was before you, you know, the producer gets his hands on it, there's definitely a big difference. That's good stuff. Now, Andrew, if folks want to find information about uh, the new music, the single coming up, and uh, tour dates as those become available, where's uh, where's the best place? All right, so uh, probably on my Instagram. So we got Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's under Andrew Beam, or my Instagram is Beam Country. Beam like the whiskey, country like the music. <laughs> um, you can get them on my website, beamcountry.com. And I uh, just updated that this morning. So there will be, um, should be ticket links on there. We got a big show for the album drop at the Windjammer in Charleston. That's April 16th. Um, and then I'm available on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere music is streamed and played. And it's all under Andrew Bean. So, uh, and we got another single coming out. This is actually the title track of the album next Friday. It's called Selma by Sundown. Um, and then obviously you should see the other guy already dropped. But then the full length album, 11 songs, it's the debut album is going to be out April 16th. All right. Well, Andrew, we look forward to that, and I appreciate you taking some time today and making the trek in for better Wi-Fi capabilities. Absolutely, man. Hopefully, we'll have that tackled here uh, here correctly. I got a, a booster and got a new phone plan yesterday, so we got to make do out there. That's, that's where you write good songs. So I live in, uh, in God's country for sure. Now, I'm guessing most people have done this. Do you ever hold your breath when you walk past people on the street just in case they might have the COVID? Well, does it help or are we just dumb? Well, someone talked to a few experts about it, a clinical virologist in England and an aerosol expert at the University of Colorado, and the answer is, it probably won't help, but it might. Now, your odds of getting sick that way are pretty low because how long you're around someone is a big factor, but if they're shedding the virus and breathe right at you, it's possible. Even the experts admitted that they have both held their breath before as well. Now, in rare situations, they say holding your breath could help, like if they happen to cough as they walk by or they're speaking moistly on their phone, and I'm not exactly sure what that means. Breathing out could also help by blowing the particles away from you, and you definitely don't want to take a big breath in as they walk by. Now, MIT even weighed in on it, medical blog, and they basically said the same thing. Now, it might help, it won't hurt, so you might as well keep doing it. Now, just don't do it in situations where you might be around a person for a while, like in line at the store, because after you hold your breath, you tend to take big breaths in and out, which you don't want to do. We got a book to talk about that I think is uh, truly timely right now. We've got Elka Schultz with us talking about Anxiety Warrior. And uh, first off, Elke, thank you so much for the time. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here and really happy to share. So excited. Thank you. 
Now, now tell us a little bit about where your journey, uh, talking about anxiety and battling against that anxiety, where did that first start for you? Well, very honestly, <laughs> and um, I, I really didn't discover that I have anxiety myself until I was in my mid-30s. However, I did have it as a child. Uh, we didn't talk about it um, back then. I don't want to age myself, but, <laughs> um, you know, as a kid, I had migraine headaches. I had flu symptoms. I, I stuttered really bad. I had a speech um trouble. And I still switch words around. I have a little bit of dyslexia, though it doesn't stop me from my passion. So <laughs> uh, here I am. And um, when I when I discovered it, I also um, in that time um, actually had gone back to school to get my master's in psychology. So currently I have a private practice um, I, I think I manage it very well. I don't have it as often where it's debilitating and um, so the journey was discovering it with my clients and, uh, you know, wondering how can we manage this because it's a natural part of who we are as humans. It's part of our human spectrum of, of unpleasant feelings. And, and how could this be useful? So that, that was really um, a passion to, to pursue that. And we talked about being so timely. And I noticed myself, even as, uh, as I come upon people again, uh, I s notice the anxiousness in myself. And are you noticing it more in the folks that you're seeing as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the past year has been hard on all of us. And I just actually wrote my MP, MPP um, last week because what's happening too is, you know, here we are as therapists and life coaches and supervisors and psychologists. And we're, we're trying to keep everybody in a good place and give them strategies. And what I'm noticing is um, that, you know, that team is breaking down. And yes, we all feel it. Um, I, I have been stretched more mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, more than I ever have in this past year. And, and I do notice it with my clients, absolutely. What do you find is the is the biggest key with dealing with anxiousness and anxiety about uh, the unforeseen? Is that the, is the unforeseen usually what uh, folks are the most anxious about? Well, interesting. Yes, a lot of people um, are unhappy about uh, the uncertainty, and yet when we talk it through, Cameron is we we don't really have anything that certain <laughs> in our lives. So I think a lot of people have come to terms with uh, the um, that uh, life was uncertain anyways, and um, maybe they had been a bit more complacent. So my encouragement is to bring us more present. You know what what's right in front of us today? What what is here right now? You know, with you and I, uh, not so much uh, yesterday or what's going to happen in the next few weeks, right? So. Um, really, really concentrating on, on the presence. So that, that actually um, has helped people. The other thing though, you know, you asked about, um, you know, this kind of pileup and um, 
there's things on people's plates that uh, I say it's like an extra sack of potatoes, <laughs> like whatever we were struggling with before, whether it was self-consciousness or, or, or self-doubt is now we have more on us, whether it's finances or, um, you know, uh, hypervigilance. Uh, that alone is, is stressing everybody. It's, it's putting us in a different place. And can you equate what you've seen over the last 12 months on the psychological side, not the medical side, but on the psychological side on anything that you've encountered before? Uh, well, <laughs> truly, um, it's heartbreaking. Um, it actually gets me quite emotional because um, I don't think we've handled it as best as we could and mentally and I, and just psych psychologically, it's been devastating. And um, I'm not really sure how, how we're going to recover. And I think that makes me even more passionate. And I'm so grateful, you know, for an opportunity like this is, you know, we've got to really um, pull in, in our uh, resilience and build ourselves. And I think it, their life skills that will help us thrive and more than ever, you know, we've got to do that. So yeah, it, it's been, I don't, I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but uh, uh, you know, the stats psychologically are pretty devastating. And I think that's what's um, it's hard. We, we uh, try not to dwell on it, but that's, you know, what I've been appealing to our, our own politicians is like, we've got to really make some different changes because how are we going to recover from this? And that, that's been my question. And yeah, it's affecting all ages as well. So now has the stigma of going to see a psychologist, psychiatrist, <laughs> when you're dealing with the issues, has, has that stigma gone away at all over, uh, over the last few years in, in your mind, I should say? No, I call it therapy schmerapy. <laughs> um, I, I highly respect any person that walks through the doors of my office uh, as I take it very sacred and special because um, people have said to me, it's like the 25 pound, you know, telephone. They've, people have phoned me. They, they've told me that they've tried to call 30 times, maybe 10, 15 times, and they've hung up the phone because it's so scary. And and um, even parents are concerned, how do they explain it to children? And, and a lot of what I do, if you wanna give it a different name is coaching. Uh, a lot of what I do is teaching, facilitating, giving people skills. There's so much, and I think that's what uh, prompted the book. And I'll tell you, <laughs> being a public speaker was not on my bucket list. Uh, <laughs> though my passion for this is, this doesn't have to be so difficult. And um, I started doing public talks just around town here because I felt like this broken record with these strategies. And of course I was getting such great feedback and I, I give out handouts <laughs> when I talk. And one day I came home and there was enough for a book. And I just thought, you know what, we've got to get this message out there because um, I don't know how you guys are, but we, we always fall short. There's lots of people that are really trying to help people, but there's not enough of us to give these strategies. So that's why I get excited about doing a show like this, because we get to reach more people. 
tell our listeners a little bit about the Anxiety Warrior Project as well and how that uh, came to fruition. Well, <laughs> again, once I, I uh, produced the first book, I thought, how are we going to launch this? And what I did was I went around to the community and it became a huge event for three years. Uh, the community pulled together and there were so many resources that we had. And, and so it became this project and event and um, lots of locals uh, bringing in their own strategies and helping and sharing. So it, it was pretty incredible actually and um, life-changing actually for, for anybody that attended. And as we went through 2020 with all the uh, the wonderment that was there, what, how has goal changing or goal setting changed for you coming into 2021 and beyond? Well, you know what? That's a great question, uh, Cameron, because I always wanted to um, do book talks and um, be worldwide. And when... Um, I got approached last year and I've always said no to blogs. I've always said no to zoom and I've always said no. And, and then I went, you know what, I've got to say yes, because this is another way to help people. So I built another website, uh, which is totally free for people, anxietywarrior.ca. It has lots of resources. People don't have to sign up. They don't have to pay. They can just go get what they need. And um, so that that's an active service. And then the other thing um, I did hire a technician <laughs> Because all this stuff is so overwhelming for me. Um, it's like another language. And um, so for me, we put out um, 18 YouTubes. And again, they're all free. And each one has a different title of what that YouTube covers. So people can go online. They can have like a little mini lesson or a mini session. And... Um, and some of it's art therapy, some of it's strategies, some of it's journals. It's uh, we're pretty excited about it, and uh, so again, it's it that's what's changed for me. So I'm actually really excited about that prospect, and um, hopefully, I'll still get to do book tours. <laughs> I enjoyed that when I did it, and um, however, this works too. You know, if if this is if this is helping people, then I'm just super pumped about it. And how do we mentally prepare for the changes whenever the new normal isn't what we were hoping <laughs> it was going to be? I don't know what is normal, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, I think the best thing we can do, and this is this is not something I came up with. I wish I did. Um, it's uh, based on a survey. And it's um, our indigenous, uh, it's based from their circle. However, it's, it's worldwide in many, many different, um, I don't know, genres or, or philosophies, perhaps. And uh, what we need to do is support ourselves physically. We need to support ourselves mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And we need to do that every single day. And, and I don't know, every person, I, I, I think the thing is, the way I've designed the books is they're smorgasbords. I don't uh, pretend to know what each body needs. However, uh, what I suggest is, you know, um, there's awareness exercises to be more aware of who you are. And the other thing is, is, you know, trust yourself. Like you've got to trust your body, not me, <laughs> uh, you know, not the book, but when you read something and it resonates with you and it works for you and it excites you, 
then that's what you got to listen to. So that's that's something we can do and definitely, um, you know, go through strategies that work for you. And and that's that's how we can prepare, I think, for anything. And it's about life. Uh, right. That's like right. anything in life. I mean, it's not just, um, you know, what happened last year. It's anything. It's whatever we're going through at that moment. Right. Absolutely. Well, LK, I want to make sure and, and let our listeners know more information where they can find about the, the book, the project, all of your other projects you're working on as well. <laughs> well, thank you, Cameron. I've actually, I, I have one of the books here. There's a, you can see the title there. Whoops, there I can get it in the camera. <laughs> um, so if the, probably the easiest, and, and I hope maybe you could post it is uh, anxietywarrior.ca. Uh, that's easy to remember. I mean, they can check my website, but that website will also take them to my website. Um, anxietywarrior.ca also has all the links for the four books that I've done. And, um, uh, you know, Amazon, <laughs> they're, they're worldwide and uh, they're available as uh, audio as well as eBooks and of course, print on demand. And, and that is really the easiest. And the other thing is, is, uh, you know, there's samples of the books on online as well. So if people just want to read a few pages, they can. Um, the other thing is watch those YouTubes, uh, just, just channel in my name. It'll, they'll come up and um, uh, just use what you need and uh, just go for it. So that's, that's probably, I hope that helps. <laughs> that's right. Again, the book, Anxiety Warrior, check out the website, anxietywarrior.ca. And uh, Elka, it has been great to have the chance to visit with you today. Looking forward to spending some more time with the book and I will check out those YouTubes as well. Thank you. And thanks, Cameron. It's, and you know, it's always so great to see the host. So uh, it's lovely. And um, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Burger King really put the cliche, all publicity is good publicity to the test yesterday. It was International Women's Day yesterday and Burger King UK decided to celebrate the day by tweeting, quote, women belong in the kitchen. That's it. That was the entire tweet. Now they followed up the other tweet saying, if you want to, of course, yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio and they talked about a scholarship program for female employees. But it was too late. The first tweet got hammered all day, and one person tweeted, quote, please don't use sexism as clickbait. And things got toxic when sexist trolls came out in full force to go after people who had problems with the tweet. Now Burger King UK tried to defend the tweet at first, but eventually wound up tweeting an apology saying, quote, we hear you, we got our initial tweet wrong and we're sorry. They deleted the Women Belong in the Kitchen tweet last night. Our next guest is country artist, new country artist, I guess uh, you could say. We're going to talk about how he ended up in the Texas music scene, how he got there. Landon Heights with us. And uh, first off, Landon, I appreciate taking some time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. Landon, we kind of prefaced uh, a little bit of a story into Texas country music. It's a bit of a journey to get here for you, right? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> It's been a, a little bit of a whirlwind, but it's been fun, man. Um, so I spent the last 15 plus years in Christian gospel music. Um, and to rewind even further, um, 
music kind of all started for me before I was even born. It was in my family before I was even around. My dad, back in the 80s, traveled in, with, with buddies all around the state of Texas playing um, country, southern rock, all that kind of good stuff. And then um, moving into my teenage years, um, I was – Turn, I was turned on to Texas country through my sister, actually. She started finding uh, artists like Stoney LaRue and Wade Bowen and Kevin Fowler. And so um, I started listening to artists like that. And then um, growing up, I, I just had a desire to keep doing Christian gospel. So I did that 15 years and traveled East Coast and West Coast, did tours uh, and stuff like that, and then put out uh, – my first uh, like full-length solo album as a Christian artist about two years ago. Had some EPs before that. And then um, just over the quarantine time, I, uh, I had these country songs in my, in my mind and kind of on pen and paper or on paper. And uh, I was like, you know, I might, I might give this a shot and see, see what my dad thinks since he has a little country background. And um, he was all for it, man. It's, it's cool to, cool to have have my dad support with it all being a pastor and everything and um so uh yeah this country journey started in september of 2020 um and uh it's moving kind of quick so uh we're, <laughs> we're trying to stay stay on board with it all who would have ever seen in the midst of a pandemic having a genre change right yeah i know i know you you get <laughs> you get kind of bored at home and figure out what's what's next man <laughs> what, so, what what has been the most interesting part of the changeover journey if you will so far uh you know honestly the most interesting part is seeing how some things are the same um and that's like i guess like people that i've been uh that's had my support in the christian gospel area ha have also like just jumped on board with supporting this country as well not kind of not necessarily like getting not getting behind it or anything because they're like a hundred percent and it's like i was like wow i was not expecting that as far as as far as the move but um just seeing and just a lot of open doors as far as uh playing with with some of my heroes man i got uh one of one of the biggest artists I heard as a teenager, Corey Morrow. I'm I'm opening for him at the end of the month, and uh, that's just going to be phenomenal. One of my second shows doing country, I played with the Bellamy Brothers, oh, and uh, it was phenomenal, dude. It was insane. So, um, yeah, I think I think the big thing is just like all the support that I've seen, um, kind of kind of transferring over um, in, into country. Man, it's been really cool. And and th there's a place for the the Christian message in country music, and th and there's there's the the lines through so many songs too. So it, it's not that necessarily that huge of a cliff dive or anything. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I I still uh, there's a few songs that uh, I have that I play country that are faith based as well. Um, and so even though I'm playing two hours of full country music every night, I still get to throw in a little a little bit of my message and my my hope and my songs. So I, I enjoy that a lot. What's it like to get the feedback? I, I know it's got to be a little bit scary whenever you're going out in a, in a different direction, but to the feedback that you get, I mean, uh, how supportive has that been so far? Yeah. The feedback's been good, man. We, with this, this first single we put out, lead me on uh, back in January, it has been, uh, it's been a, it's been a cool hearing stories that have kind of been through the same kind of heartbreak that I have. Um, but also being able to give them hope through, through all their, 
hard times, you know, it's been pretty, pretty cool. Now for you songwriting wise, what, uh, in a songwriting session for you, what do you set forward the most usually in songwriting sessions? Yeah. So songwriting sessions, um, I, I always tend to come up with words before I do melodies. And so when, when we have like, maybe we'll come in with a course and a bridge and then we can end up with three different styles of how the song could go. And it could be a fast one. It could be a slow one. And then we would, uh, sometimes there are ways we can write it. Uh, we'll settle down to two different ways and see which one and pitch it to people, see which one people like, like better. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the way how we go. I just uh, actually recently had a cousin of mine, uh, join me in uh, recording for the new album and we didn't even know he was a songwriter. <laughs> so, um, the guy's just coming out, bringing his notepad on his iPhone. He's like, Hey, I'm just writing down thoughts and see what you like. And he's like, dude, we need to make songs out of these man. Cause they're, they're, they're some things people need to hear. And so we're, we're excited to put some of that stuff on the album coming up. And for you to be out and play in, I know Texas country has been probably playing more than, more than most, but to have that opportunity, especially early on, I mean, you can't put a price tag on how much that means, right? Early. Oh, absolutely not. It's just, uh, it's, it's been a cool opportunity to, to join the kind of Texas country community and, uh, kind of see, see what kind of doors open up as far as, uh, what kind of friendships happen on the, uh, on the road and just, um, just kind of reaching out to others, you know, I, I had, I've just started a recent friendship with uh, Curtis Grimes. Um, and so we're actually going to be out in Waco tomorrow night with him and doing a live music video shoot. And just kind of, it's kind of one of those things where Christian and country music kind of cross over with C- Curtis Grimes, you know, cause he's doing a, he's doing a live music video shoot out there with his worship part of his set, which is really cool. Uh, and so I think me and uh, another artist, Holly Tucker, from the area is going to be out there with them. So yeah, that's been, that's been kind of neat. Now, how much different is the songwriting process for you? Is it, is it any different genre wise? Um, I think for me, I'm really, as far as the Christian gospel, I'm, I'm trying to base my, of course, I'm trying to base my, my lines on scripture base and, and the stuff like that, that I, that can kind of, blend well with uh people thinking about it in the church but as far as like country songs i'm writing about my real life stories you know i'm writing about um heartbreak and um just all that kind of stuff that um just go like trucks you don't you don't really write a worship song about a truck come on we we need to work on we need to work on that Lord, thank you for my Chevy. You know, I don't think that'll really work too well, at least in my red, church. Red dirt, praise and worship. Red, there you go. We could start a whole <laughs> new genre right now. All right. I'm down for that. <laughs> so for you, is it more personal, the country music for you? Is it, is it more of a personal right then? Yeah, it's, it's definitely stuff uh, I've been wanting to get off my chest for a while as far as the songwriting goes. I know leading me on kind of happened 13 years ago as far as a story. And then I never really put it out until now. Um, and it was just like a little weekend heartbreak fling that turned into a, a hit song for me, which was really cool. And I thank the girl who did that. <laughs> so, so, uh, you're a whole lot easier now than then, right? I guess so. I don't, there's no telling where she is now. So, 
That's funny. Now I know that you you got your guitar with you. Yeah, man. Is is the new single? Is that what you you're wanting to play for us or something? Sure, I'll I'll do a little bit of it. Yeah, for sure. This song's called "Lead Me On." I knew your lips taste like an evil kiss. I didn't know a smile break my heart like this. Oh, as we went to dance, the songs about rain. I wish I could have been ready for the end of that day. My stupid ways just drag on. Up to not roll along. Go ahead and lead, lead me home. Do what you got to carry on. Go ahead and say say I'll fight this fight push to stay strong do your best lead me on oh now your true colors starting to shine it's not just me that sees the fact there's another side. Your crooked, mystic ways always know the right words. Heaven help me not to fall for the wrong girl. My stupid ways just drag on. Up to not care, roll on. Go ahead and lead, lead me home. Do what you got to do, carry on. Go ahead and say what you got to say. I'll fight this fight, push, stay strong, do your best and lead me on, yeah. Oh, well, I seem to love your name in my mind. Yeah, and those pretty lines get me every time. Go ahead and lead, lead me on. Do what you got to carry on. Girl, go ahead and say what you got to say. I'll fight this fight, push to stay strong. Do your best and lead me home. Do your best and lead me home, girl. That's good stuff, brother. Thank you so much, man. 
<laughs> did, did you have to do anything vocally to change anything up? Did you did you have to have any add any twang in in your voice? Have, have you changed the voice much? As I guess, yeah. So so a little bit it involves a little more twang, definitely. So <laughs> um, especially if you're gonna like uh, play a two hour show down here in Texas and covers cover some of your your favorite <laughs> artists, you got to add the twang to it more than more than I would on the originals. So. So, yeah, and there's a little bit of my Christian gospel stuff that has a little country sound to it, too. So it was kind of an easy, easy switch a little bit for me. Now, as this last year, the songwriting inspiration wise, was it was it darker writing for you? Um, yeah, I, I feel I feel like some of this new stuff we're about to come out with in the fall, like um, involves a little bit heavier subjects um, as far as as far as love and heartache. Um, but uh, I never really had a good whiskey song until now. So um, that's that's something uh, my cousin and I kind of put together that we're going to be releasing this summer. Um, and so uh, stuff like that, I would have never thought I would have written before. And, and, and just to see the support coming out of it, playing it at live shows has been – it's been kind of cool, but yeah, I would say, uh, there's, there's a little bit darkness to it for sure. Being personal. Now, as you start the new year, new music, how do you set goals for 2021? Um, mostly just as they come really. Um, you know, we've, of course, one thing is you want to play shows with some of your all time favorite artists, like, um, Corey Morrow, we play with Curtis Grimes in December you know, on New Year's Eve when we put out the new EP. And so um, there, there's some stuff coming up we're really excited about. But uh, as far as goals, I, I always want to put out new music every year. And so that's really the main goal right now. We're about uh, almost halfway into finishing the full length album. Uh, should be dropping this fall, which we're really excited about. And uh, we're also doing a, a version of Leave Me On Acoustic with uh, Holly Tucker. Oh, cool. uh, but that's that's kind of a secret. <laughs> <laughs> we, I won't we, tell anybody. Okay, well, that sounds good. <laughs> These people well, down here in Texas don't know that yet. Yeah, there you go. Now, Landon, if folks want to find out uh, as the music becomes uh, closer to fruition and, and then the singles, the upcoming tour dates, all that stuff, uh, website, social media, the best? Yeah, website, LandonHeightsMusic.com, and then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Landon Heights Music, for sure. And I'll have all my dates and event pages there. Landon, it's been great to have a chance to visit with you today, man. I wish you the, the best of success, and hopefully we'll catch up uh, as things open up. We'll, we'll get somewhere here nearby. Hey, man, that works out great. I, I appreciate that. Well, thanks again for joining me for this 38th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, or anything else you'd like to know, find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, click on the shop at GQwithCam.com forward slash shop and pick up a great selection of merchandise that's available. If you have a special guest idea, you can email me gqwithcam at gmail.com. Again, thanks to Brandon Allen for coming up with our theme music for Good Questions with Cameron Dole. We're going to let him play us out. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday evening.